This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. As time going, we're going to talk more and more about it. But you see, you got to start with the little steps. You got to take the big steps. So right now, he's taking all those down. That's a, that's a, that's a wonderful start. You got to keep going. I want people to open up their ears and their heart and just listen and understand right now. It's all about listening and understanding. That's Leonard Fournette this morning here in Jacksonville. A peaceful protest he organized. Uh, little Duval was there. A bunch of teammates and coaches. And, uh, well, several hundred citizens here in Jacksonville uh, there for the march along with the mayor Lenny Curry and uh, that is on the heels of really the first organized team protest that we've seen across all sports that happened on Friday that was initiated by the Jacksonville Jaguars players and coaches and uh, that had a few hundred folks from team headquarters to the steps of Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and I know it's something that uh, Jason Fitz acknowledged uh, during that time frame. And guess who joins us right now from ESPN? Jason Fitz uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 along with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Fitz, how you doing, man? Hope you hope things are going well. Yeah, man, everything's good, all things considered. You know, this has been a, a strange year and trying times over the last week and a half. And, you know, you guys know I've been trying to have open, real, honest conversations on first take you're taking. I feel like over the last week I've grown and people that listen have grown and I'm really proud of what we've been doing. Aside from what we usually do in escapism, we've tried to challenge people to think and talk more outside of their comfort zone and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, you, you guys have been doing an excellent job with it, keeping the dialogue, the discussion open. I think, uh, uh, you know, it'll be one of the most memorable 10-day uh, stretches of my career so far, which now runs two decades. So I, I agree with you on that front. Uh, can Let me ask you from a national point of view, I'd like to ask you these things and it usually pertains to sports and usually football around the jaguars like what's the what's the pulse but how um, loudly heard were the jaguars demonstrations and and protests uh from where you sit uh do you think anybody noticed what the jaguars did uh do you think we'll see more of it uh from organizations not just in the nfl but across uh, sports well i don't think it was acknowledged as much as it should have been or could have been and I think you make a fair point. Look, I, you know, it's no secret there are certain teams that dominate national conversation because, frankly, they dominate national ratings. So, you know, let, let's be fair. If the same statement had been made by the Broncos as an organization or the, the Cowboys or the Patriots, you know, it, it just I think it would have been a louder roar in reaction to it. And that's not really fair to what the Jags did and, and uh, you know, what the Jags are doing. Do I think we'll see more of it? Heck yes. I don't think just yes. I think heck yes. And that comes back to what, you know, when, when Roger Goodell came out Friday afternoon and spoke about the NFL, you know, being wrong, what he did in my mind is drew a new line in the sand of expectation that's going to allow more teams to feel free to have these tough conversations and to be real and show some of themselves. And I think it's, it's part of, if you're an NFL fan and you don't want to hear these things, just buckle up, embrace it, and get ready for it because NFL players, I think, have been given more leniency than ever to have their own takes, their own personality, and their own views reflected, which I think is great for the league, frankly. And, you know, it, it's going to make some NFL uh, stick to sports fans really uncomfortable. But I don't think the NFL can walk back now that they've made their statement. Absolutely. Jason Fitz with us. First take, your take one to three uh, daily on ESPN 690 here in the Jacksonville area. And he joins us on Tuesdays. We just had a discussion, Jason, uh, in the first hour of the show. 
And I brought up, I, I was watching the protest here in Jacksonville today with Leonard Fournette kind of leading the way. And I've often said, you know, in the last few years, we might be watching the greatest generation of athlete on the field. Tom Brady, Tiger Woods, LeBron James. I mean, if you take... Uh, our sports and you take our athletes from an individual basis it might be the greatest generation i always thought like the 40s and 50s with ted williams and joe dimaggio and bob gibson and 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 all those greats i always said oh man i think that's it but i'm not so sure anymore you couple that with their voice their impact uh and now on and off the field wow man i mean we we have to be looking at the most impactful generation of all time even though if you go back to the 40s ted williams was a war hero and muhammad ali we know what he did outside the boxing ring but this generation of athletes just feels a little bit different and more impactful well i think you can you can credit the nba for a lot of it frankly not just from an athleticism standpoint but even bigger i think at some level you look at, at the voice and we always hear them talk about nfl players when it comes to contracts and they look at the nba so jealous about full guarantees and so on and so forth. Well, I think the the entire sports world has been taking note of the voice that the NBA is free to use. And that's why we're seeing a different level of empowerment and understanding of the power a voice can have for an athlete. And we've seen it seep into other sports. We've seen it seep into the NFL. Now you mentioned the, the team protest for the Jags. And frankly, I think it even plays into college football where, you know, we're seeing athletes come out and speak out against coaches, which is something that two or three years ago, I don't know that people felt empowered to do once this generation of athletes figured out that their voice could have power and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to lose any brand opportunity they have with marketing i think it becomes a real it becomes sort of the the voltron if you will that brings everybody together and allows us to be even more impactful on and off the field which will be part of the legacy of what this time in sports is about jason man first of all oh man we turn the mic on we got the mic on here. Sorry about that. <laughs> all right, we're all good. But hey, Jason, hey, man. Hey, yeah. we're ESPN 690. Jason, just trying to make. We're it. just trying to make it, man. That's the, that's always been our calling card. Always will be our calling card. But um, first of all, man, I just want to thank you because um, you did mention the Jacksonville Jaguars protest, and I get sometimes I have my blinders on here in Jacksonville, and obviously I cover the team, so I'm very passionate about it. But really being the first professional sports team to try to organize a protest, um, not, not only as players but coaches and really an entire staff, I just want to thank you for sharing it, man, because I think sometimes, um, you know, in the media world, especially like the, the bigger companies, I'm not trying to call anybody out here, but I think sometimes everyone's down to make a difference, but they have to make sure that they move the needle when they do make the difference, okay? And I understand that the Jacksonville Jaguars don't really move that needle, but thank you for just sharing the story, obviously, and talking about it, because I think it made a big difference. So thank you uh, on behalf of, of me and probably the entire show here. With that being said, though, um, you know, we're talking about the NFL, and, and we're talking about Raj Goodell obviously having some really, in my opinion, some shocking comments, right? All of a sudden now he's he's really taking the player's side. He listened, um, and now he's kind of like this ambassador for NFL players, something that he's probably should have been since day one. But my question to you is, and, and he's been very adamant about saying that he's going to support the right to protest. And we've had guys like Adrian Peterson come out and said that there, there will be kneeling um, you know, for the national anthem. All this gets brought up, and we think back to Colin Kaepernick, right? Every time we see a player take a knee on the field, we think of Colin Kaepernick. How does the NFL go about, you know, maybe extending the olive branch, if you will, and just, you know, like, I guess just, you know, with Colin Kaepernick, like, how do they go about, like, changing the narrative, changing the conversation? Because let's be honest right now, whether you're an NFL player in a locker room or whether you're a fan of Colin Kaepernick, you still feel like you got blackballed. Is there any way the NFL can kind of change that narrative a little bit? 
I think the NFL is going to have to change the narrative behind closed doors first. And that's a really great question, by the way, because I think we're looking so publicly at what the NFL does. But I think a lot of it comes from what they tell all the teams today and right now and what they're telling players behind closed doors about the level of support they're going to give. Because there has to be some if, – if Colin Kaepernick, for example, were to get another opportunity in the, in the NFL – the, a team that takes that, that signing would have to know that the NFL is going to back them, that the NFL is going to help them with some of the PR nightmare that can, will come from it. I mean, nightmare not in the sense of the tone, but in the amount of requests they're going to get. You know, And I think they're going to have to look at a lot of these different elements to know that the league will stand side by side with them and support them. And the players are going to have to know that, that everybody's got everybody's back in making sure that we can you know, give opportunity without letting the magnifying glass sort of limit anything. And that, that's where it's going to have to come. The trust is going to have to be earned behind closed doors for everybody, from owners to players on it, and then we'll see it. I don't know that the league can say or do anything right now or just suddenly present Colin Kaepernick with a fair opportunity to make a team and have anybody really feel like it makes a difference unless they've built a better infrastructure behind closed doors. And to your point, Austin, I think an important point is that the minute that Goodell came out and said what he said, I think he really threw he threw the NFL on the sword a little bit, and that changes. Right now, if you're a player, you got eyes open, and you're saying, man, maybe Roger's on our side. And mm-hmm. there have been reports for a long time that Roger Goodell was more open to this than people understand. It's the owners that weren't on their side. Now it's like, well, maybe Roger got through to the owners. So there's a real opportunity for a bond to come between players and owners that we don't usually see in the NFL. That's the, I think that's the biggest game from all of this for them. I agree. I think for the first time, you know, in those locker rooms, the players feel like the shield actually has their back. So it'll be interesting to keep a part of and see how it transpires from here. You mentioned how do you go about the whole Kaepernick situation, and kind of an idea that I brought up yesterday on the show. I kind of want to get your thoughts about it. You know, now we'll, we'll wait and see if Colin Kaepernick plays again. But if he doesn't, do you think it would be smart for the NFL to try to extend the olive branch in, in a form of let's call it an NFL Racial Awareness Month? Right? We have Military Appreciation Month. We have Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Why not have like a Racial Awareness Month and to spearhead it, bring on Colin Kaepernick on board, you know, make him the ambassador, make him the face of it. Because number one, now Colin Kaepernick not only has the the Nike resources, but he has the NFL resources as well. Could you see that happening? And is that a good idea? Uh, Yes. And I think it's a spectacular idea. And you talk about uh, cancer awareness. And it's funny because. How many people, even when you play Madden, you know, if you're playing Madden, when you get to October, your team starts wearing pink. It's become so ingrained in our minds. And think of the difference that it's made, not just in the money made, but in the conversations that it's, you know, at least created and the awareness it creates for NFL fans. If they put that same power in, and I was lucky enough to play the national anthem for the Raiders uh, before the the Armed Forces Appreciation Day that they have in November. And, you know, I'll never forget they gave me all this gear that was, Raiders stuff that was in camo and, you know, they, they took that time and acknowledged the armed forces before the game and mm-hmm. it was powerful. It's powerful every year when they do that. If they did that same thing and went in and said, hey, we're going to take this month of the season and we're really going to, we're going to impart in people's minds the importance of social justice and equal treatment for everybody. That's a win for absolutely everybody involved and for Colin Kaepernick to be an ambassador for it, I think would also be a win because I don't think it's just Colin Kaepernick, but I think Colin Kaepernick heading up a group of players, like a committee essentially, that's going to come in and really address these. Every player, as you well know, Austin, every team has a player union rep in the locker room. Well, where's the same person that can be that for social issues and for really speaking for the players? Where's your social issues rep? 
that can come in and say, hey, this is important to our guys and we want to make sure it's represented and let Colin Kaepernick be the head of all of that from an internal level for the NFL so that it's the league speaking together and players all over the league. They're fantastic discussions to continue. Brent Martin of Austin Lane, Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690 with Jason Fitz. First take your take, one to three, right here on ESPN 690 uh, in the Jacksonville area, Monday through Friday. Uh, let me ask you one more from a football on-the-field perspective. We know the NBA is getting back to action in late July. I was thinking of this last 24 hours after these protocols that came out from the NFL, that latest memo. How important is it for the NFL to maybe see Major League Baseball in action in the month of July so they have something to go off that might be a little bit like what they could do in the fall? Because the bubble in Orlando is not like anything the NFL is going to do in the fall at home stadiums. You're totally right, and that's a great point, and I think that's why – you know, commissioners across the, the sports landscape are looking at each other, and everybody sort of like you're about to go into the quicksand, so you're trying to make somebody else walk in first. Uh, it, absolutely. The NFL needs as much proof of concept as they can get from every single league as they look across and figure out, uh, you know, the more testing you have, the more uh, situations you have, the more realistic solutions you can have for your own personal league. So I think it's, it's massive to your point, Brian. I, I, absolutely huge for the NFL to try and help the Major League Baseball guys figure these things out because whatever they can do to help that dialogue will help them on the field in the end. Jason Fitz, always love having you on, man. Thanks a lot for joining us, and uh, keep up the good work. Hey, let me say one more thing, guys. You guys have mentioned it. The city of Jacksonville should be damn proud of who the Jaguars have been over the last week, who they've been as an organization, because this is an organization that hasn't always had the best publicity for whatever reason, for the way they've been running for some of the people that have worked for the organization. This is a moment where Jags fans can support an organization that's doing it the way they believe in by supporting them with their money, their time, and their, their social media support because it is worthwhile being a Jags fan today. You should be proud of that team. Hey, well said. Well said and I Jason, think uh, Jags fans appreciate it. No doubt about it. We'll talk to you again next week. Talk to you guys. Thanks. That's Jason Fitz. First take your take one to three on ESPN uh, radio and right here in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. And I I appreciate Jason Fitz saying that we've had these discussions. I don't have as much of the, for lack of a better term, uh, complex about the national guys not covering the Jags or not giving the attention to the Jags or whatever you want to call it. But I understand the going to the commercial during the draft and and that stuff. Right. We've kind of had fun with that in the past. Sure. But I also don't sit here and say that, like, you're wrong. I mean, it's true. The Jags don't get a lot of coverage. And when they do, it's, you know, it's it's a, it's 10 seconds here. It's it's And, and quite frankly, on, on the football field, I'm not sure how much they've earned <laughs> at sure. times. Um, when In 17, the Jags got a lot of national love, especially on NFL Network. I remember watching a lot. and But ESPN, too. I mean, they had this star-studded defense. People were talking about them. Calais Clamp, Campbell was having a fantastic year. Mm-hmm. Portals, for a little bit, there wasn't as much the joke, although at times he was the butt of the joke still. And I think that rubbed people the wrong way. Even as they're winning, he was still kind of the butt of jokes. But then uh, how many prime times did you get in 2018? And then not a lot on the return, right? So, Even after you proved it, you didn't get a lot, uh, which I'm most thankful because it wouldn't have wanted to watch some of those games. But yeah. I understand your point. So, uh, again, I'm not saying Jag fan doesn't have a point in the discussion. I'm just saying it, it has never really bothered me as much as it bothers Jags fan. Sure. And and that's okay that it does. I'm, I'm just being honest with where yeah. I stand on it. I will say to Jason's point, I'm glad he recognized this. This is bigger than football. Mm-hmm. This is something that is being covered all across the country, not just on sports channels. This is... 
what the Jaguars did, having the only minority owner in the NFL, and shot kind of first minority owner in the NFL, and, and what he said, and then what it turned into like 48 hours later, organization-wise, in a peaceful way, in a constructive way, with the powerful words of Chris Conley, man, that should have been recognized, and it should have been acknowledged, and by some it did, guys like Jason Fitz, and I think uh, we had mentioned yesterday, somebody told me um, that some other folks did mention it that we just may have not seen, like Levitard and, yeah. and others, but it really wasn't all over the place like you thought it might be. Uh, and this is a, a movement where I don't think you have to have Patrick Mahomes in front of it. This was an organization that has a minority owner in Jacksonville, which has a history of divisiveness when it comes to race. And look what they're doing. Look what Jacksonville's doing. It should be used as an example um, and, and at least an acknowledgement, and it wasn't. So I understand a little bit of it around here. So I, I appreciate what Jason said. I think a lot of fans really appreciate yeah. what Jason said. And I think the Jags organization probably is is just as much frustrated. They're not going to come out and say anything, but I bet they get frustrated as well. And I don't think that's why they're doing it. Yeah. But it would be nice to be acknowledged for something this powerful, this strong, and kind of what we have said, uh, that it's bigger than football right now, and the Jags are kind of leading the way. Listen, if I find one of the higher-ups and go ahead and just send my fine to my mailbox and put it on my tab because I'm going to say what I'm going to say, all right? And, Brent, you, you know how I feel about the Jaguars getting disrespected. Now, it's one thing, obviously, when it happens during a draft, right, and – yeah, uh, to be fair, it made me a little upset. Now, I, I can see the point where it's a small market and no one really cares who the Jaguars draft. Fine, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll concede to that. I'm still going to be upset because I think every team should have their fair share. I think every team should get their share of the pie and get to celebrate who they draft, but whatever. Okay, so put, put the draft behind it. But when you have the first professional team ever stage a protest, okay, Ever in the history of sports, stage of protest, and it's the players, it's the coaches, it's the entire, it's the whole staff members in that building. When they all come together and they march for racial injustice, to me, that's a big story. Okay, and, and like I, I thank Jason before we had him on. I, I thanked him because I shouldn't have to thank Jason Fitz for talking about it. Okay, everyone should be talking about it, and. I'm not trying to hate on ESPN. I'm not trying to hate on anybody uh, on the bigger ups because who am I, right? I'm still getting started in the sports media game. I still have a long ways to go. I still have a lot to learn. I understand that. But I think ESPN, they, they do a great job of, of using their platform to spark change, right? I mean, I've, I've seen Stephen A. Smith. I've seen Maria Taylor. I've seen a bunch of the analysts kind of share their thoughts a little bit, and they've been super eloquent, and they've been very inspirational. But then you share their thoughts, but then you don't share the thoughts of the people that you're supposed to be covering. Okay, it's cool when you have Uncle Rico and Gardner Minshew hanging out during the NFL season, but then you can't show Chris Conley's speech because you know why? I would show my son Chris Conley's speech. I would show anybody Chris Conley's speech, regardless if he's a Jacksonville Jaguar or not. I'm taking off my Jaguars glasses right now. His speech was that good, and it deserves the attention. It deserves to be heard. And the fact that ESPN and even CNN and Fox News, they didn't share it because why? It's the Jacksonville Jaguars? I thought you guys were trying to help the movement, okay? So you, to me, you can't have it both ways. You, you can't try to help the movement and inspire people but be worried about moving the needle, okay? Sure, if it's the Denver Broncos, if it's the Green Bay Packers, if it's the New England Patriots, yeah, I'm sure that's going to move the needle. But if you're really concerned about, well, we can't show this Jaguars because some people really care about that, 
it's bigger than football right now, man. Okay? It's bigger than sports. And when you have professional athletes, you know, help with this protest and give eloquent speeches, they deserve to be heard. So as far as I'm concerned, if you preach that you're trying to make a difference, if you preach that you're trying to be the outlet where professional athletes can kind of voice their concerns, but then you don't show them because they don't play on a, a high market team, in my opinion, then you're a supposer. Well, I, I will say this. I don't think it's necessarily the networks or all the networks job from to help the movement, so to speak. I think I'd be a little careful. It's to document the movement. But, Brent, and, what, uh, I and, agree with you. Okay. And, and, and I, so my, I, I would just say it's a little they, – they don't have to help the movement. Yes, uh, they employ people that talk about the movement as well, but they're not telling them what to say. Correct. So, but when, when I see your analysts giving passionate speeches about making change, about protesting and everything, well, that to me, then that means you're helping the movement. Yeah. Well, again, I think it's called documenting okay. the movement. You're using your platform to share whatever is being said. See, I, I don't think – I think if you're helping the movement, you're taking – you know, you're, you whatever you're doing, you're 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 maybe becoming outside of journalism, you know, sure. uh, to a degree. I think you you document it, you share it, it becomes discussions. That's what I say about you know. Some people might not may have said, "Hey, that speech by Chris Conley wasn't as great as you all say it was." Well, it sparks conversation at the very least, right? Mm-hmm. It's it. I mean, I thought it was great. It, mm-hmm. it sparks conversation, and so I think uh, I think I also believe, and again, I I think we're talking ESPN so much because ESPN is kind of everybody's go to. Uh, but it's uh, – I don't know if this was all over NFL Network. I don't know if this was over some – even the new- – it was big enough to be on the news channels, you know, because it was the NFL. And, by the way, it was on the heels of Drew Brees. So you have this Drew Brees dynamic. It played perfect sense to say, well, look at what this NFL team is doing. Mm-hmm. So I understand it. Listen, I, I don't put too much into that. Um, I, I just think uh, in this – what I'm a little – uh, I don't know about worried is the word. If we look back on this conversation five years from now, right? Mm-hmm. I, again, I, I think our, our job in journalism at times is to document what's going on. Mm-hmm. I think at this time through the pandemic and through this latest movement and what's going on in our country, our job is to document, to have discussions, to have conversations. My job is not to persuade anybody. My job is to have conversations. Well, as we document this from a national perspective, part of the story Coming off the death of George Floyd and the protests that happened around the country for a week long. And part of the story will be the Drew Brees 72 hours. Part of the story will be NFL players uniting on social media. I think those will get told. Part of the story will be NFL commissioner. I think that will be told. What I'm a little afraid of, what should be part of the story and told by the Peter Kings of the world or anybody else of the world, are is the fact that the Jaguars have a minority owner mm-hmm. who came out and said what he said. And not just in a statement form, but in a letter form. And also what the Jaguars did on Friday and maybe even today mm-hmm. and, and led the way. That should be part of the documentation of what's going on. That's what kind of bothers me more than, than uh, anything else because I think it warranted it. Mm-hmm. it. It should be part of the storytelling of what took place last week with sports interacting with society. I don't think that was just a Jacksonville thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to, again, you, this is a guy saying that, that doesn't really have a complex about not getting national attention, you know, for for what they do on the football field. Um, but it's definitely interesting uh, to see where it takes place. I, since we're on this topic, okay, mm-hmm. let, let's briefly go here. Uh, we got a text, uh, a tweet earlier, um, and it says, "My dudes, I'm glad that these guys were able to leverage their platform." But them and Curry just left out of nowhere as one of the 100s of people there. It felt like 
a publicity stunt and not a constructive conversation. Hmm. You know where I fall on this. Was there good done today? Was there good done for a movement? Was there attention brought to a movement? Was, was Were there more conversations that took place? Was there dialogue that took place? Is this continuing to happen? And did Leonard Fournette lead the charge? Was Lenny Curry there? Was, did you have this mix of politician, police, athlete, which I would also call citizens, you know, yeah. not athlete in this moment, um, but high profile at the very least. Even Lou Duval was there as well. Where I fall on this stuff is you can give me the motivation of why it happened. You can say, well, it looked a little bit like a publicity, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't care. I really don't care. I, mm -hmm. I think it, if it provides good, it provides discussion. And in this important time, discussion is important. Mm -hmm. Don't, I don't need the motivation. I really don't care about the motivation. So that's a way I would answer it. Now, you, have been there and you've been at a couple of these protests mm -hmm. and I think you can take us inside kind of those thoughts a little bit more because you've heard these thoughts yeah. um, ab about this. Why do people bring this part up and do they have any validity to it? So first of all, let me start off by saying that I do agree with you. I think that you either have a choice to do good or bad every single day. And today the Jacksonville Jaguars did good. Okay. Um, I think that it should be celebrated, and I think that it's another step towards progress, okay? And at the end of the day, that's what you want. Um, we get so caught up as a society of questioning intentions and questioning um, people's beliefs and everything like that of why they're doing something. I'm just happy there's good going on, okay? We don't have the luxury right now, I feel like, or people don't have the luxury right now to question what are your motives, are you out here for the right reasons? No, man, we need, we need everybody, okay? It's, it's a team effort here. So with that being said, though, I'm not naive to the fact that I can see where people like and the person I just texted you are coming from, okay? Because I've been at some of these protests, and I've heard some of the speakers, and I, I heard a certain speaker um, voice frustration from when the Jaguars had their first march, because essentially what was, what was happening was it was organized, and they were marching with the police. If you go to a Black Lives Matter protest this Saturday or Sunday, they don't march the police, because for lack of a better word, the police aren't welcome there, okay? Um, I think it could be kind of ugly, to be fair, if the police were involved. I'm, I'm just saying that's that's where people's emotions people's anger are at right now okay like i get we use the word peaceful protest but there's still a lot of angry people out there a lot of emotional people so i think when someone like that voices their concern and they say it was a publicity stunt i get where they're coming from because every single weekend you got kids of all ages um you got guy, you know you got men women of all ages of race ethnicities beliefs out there expelling their energy um and, and speaking their peace okay and it's exhausting um it's frustrating sometimes and it's just it's an environment it, it's just a whirlwind of emotions okay so for some of those people when they see the jaguars do their thing right and they say they're going to organize this protest and then you know you, you see them in the streets and, and you're out there with them and you're you're cheering and and you're protesting and you're using your voice and you have your signs and maybe you have your families and you're expelling all this energy that's great but then all of a sudden when those jaguars players leave and lenny curry leaves well then you're kind of back to square one you feel like right you're you're back to where you started from it's like 
well, we, we made a change, but now it's just us again, right? And I think right now there's a lot of people out there that are having this just us mentality, that it's us against the world mentality. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is right now. So once again, I don't agree with the comments of saying that the Jaguars is for publicity. Um, I don't think it's any farther from the truth. But I can see when people like that text you, I can see exactly where they're coming from. Yeah, and it was a tweet, by the way. Uh, oh, that, sorry, that was a tweet. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. it wasn't like a personal text sure. uh, from somebody. It, it was just a tweet out there. And, you know, we were talking in a break about it, so I thought we, we could bring it up. I, I, I would say this. It, it's a little – now, listen, you're talking – this is from the a 43-year-old white man uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. I believe the fact that the Jaguars have marched with the police – and with uh, th- this morning with Lenny Curry was there, those are people that can make change. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that shows a sign of unity and community more so than divisiveness. And I understand there's there's angst as well. That doesn't mean you're not de- arguing against or there were signs. Miles Jack held a sign mm-hmm. uh, that would hint toward, you know, the march against police brutality. I don't think that means that's an empty um, protest, an empty march. I, I like the sign of unity and community. I like what the sheriff up in Michigan did w- last weekend and marched with people. Now, that wasn't with a team or, or athletes. That was with people. Said, hey, I'll march with you. Yeah. You know, I, I like that. Uh, I understand that's not everywhere. I understand there's a there's a bigger, big movement here. And not everybody feels the same. But I kind of I like that part of it. I like this because I think the more you can have some unity in community, the more you can have change quicker. Yeah. So I I, I think these are genuine. What can we do? Mm-hmm. How can we help? And I, I I will say this on Action News Jack's Facebook that Friday protest had right now is up to like two hundred and twenty thousand views. Sure. The one this morning with Leonard Fournette was over like 60,000 views, and that was soon after. Mm. If it gives people a voice, if it draws attention, I I, I understand you'd love them to be out there well, with you for 10 hours all day, but it's it's getting, listen, it's doing something. No, it's it, making some change. It's definitely doing something. It's definitely making a change. And once again, th- th- these aren't my opinions right here, but this is just, this is what I've seen. This yeah, yeah. is what I've heard, right? Well, that's what well, I wanted, no, but, some but, of that perspective. But, but, but uh, in another side of it, too, we have to remember, okay, when I'm at these protests and I hear these people speak and I see their passion, a lot of that passion is geared towards the frustration of the mayor of Jacksonville. Mr. Curry, okay? Lenny Curry. And today you saw Lenny Curry kind of march with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the police department. And I'll be honest with you, once again, not saying it's right. I'm just telling you this is where it's coming from. I think some people with the Black Lives Matter movement were kind of maybe taken back a little bit to see the Jaguars embrace Mr. Curry that much. Not saying it's right. I'm just saying this is where this is the conversations I've been having with some of the protesters. Yeah, okay? yeah. Um, and just, some probably look at it as it a step and a credit to the mayor to yeah. get out there and now let's see if they act. Exactly. Change, I mean, right? the, the, there's definitely both sides. So yeah. like, there's both sides to every single political discussion. Absolutely. I'm just saying that's one side of it. Yeah, we continue yeah. to have those discussions. We come back. Let's talk more sports. I brought something up with Jason Fitz. Major League Baseball might need to get going for the NFL's sake. What do I mean by it next on ESPN 690? love that I have a child that thinks outside of the box and asks questions. As a black father, I'm hurt. My heart is hardened to know that I have to explain these critical issues to my son when most of you do not. But as an advocate for equality, I know that one day my son will have the ability 
to change the world if he's not shielded by what's going on in the world. This applies to your kid as well. So please, we must not shield, but educate our kids. That is former Jags player, former Jags player Rasheen Mathis uh, on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, called Lend Me Your Ear. And it was about, uh, I want to say, 11 and a half minutes or so. I listened to it and watched it. And uh, very strong words from Rasheen Mathis. We've had him on the show before. Rasheen, one of the, the all-time greats for the Jags. Uh, really one of the most underrated players, I think, in Jaguars history because of the nature that he's from here. Went to Englewood, uh, Bethune-Cookman, um, Jacksonville guy. And no surprise, super eloquent. A uh, smart guy, well thought out, does not like the public spotlight. No. Really doesn't. Well, and, and this was so surprising. I know. Yeah. Because, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, he, he he is, he's a tough guy. Like, we could ask Rasheen to come on the show like 20 times, and maybe the 20th time he'll say yeah. Or he'll answer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. It's, and, I mean, then that's uh, any, but he's the nicest guy in the world, greatest guy in the world. But that's just when he does not seek the spotlight. I think it was very poignant. It was uh, powerful as well from Rasheen, and it was well said on so many levels, uh, well thought out. Uh, you appreciate that about Rasheen Mathis. Yeah. So how it went down was last night. You know, you, you sent the group text that video, and immediately when you sent it, I see Rasheen's face. I'm like, what is, like, Rasheen Mathis? Because you have to keep in mind, okay? I spent three years playing with Rasheen Mathis in Jacksonville, and I spent a little time with him in Detroit. And he's by far one of the best teammates I ever had, not, not, not only for, obviously, a talent perspective. I mean, the guy's one of the best corners, if not the best corner to ever play in Jacksonville. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey in the conversation, too. But um, Mathis had quite the career here in Jacksonville and did a really great job in Detroit as well. But the quality of guy that he was off the field as well. He's a, he was a very he's a very soft spoken individual. Um, he's a man of faith. Actually, got me turned on to Christian rap music a little bit. Where uh, he, he he had some songs on locker room that he wanted me to hear. Not sure if that was kind of my cry for help. I was reaching out and he he kind of saw that, but he he shared some Christian rap with me and and I respect it, man. But Rasheen was always the guy who was never going to give you that raw rust speech. Okay. He was never the guy that was really going to get you know all hyped up and everything before a game. But he was the guy when he spoke, everyone shut their mouths and listened. Because mm-hmm. you knew when Rasheen Mathis spoke, it was something of great substance. You know, there, there's some people <clears throat> like me who would just talk just to talk, right? And uh, <laughs> 99% is just fluff. Rasheen Mathis, when he speaks, everyone pays attention. So when you sent me that text message last night, Brent, I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be crazy. Cause you know, cause he's he's not a guy that enjoys the spotlight. He's not he's not a guy that's always on social media, but it goes to show you this who he is as a person. Who he's he's evolved so much now, where he's like he understands. Listen, what's happening in the world right now? Um, it's bigger than maybe what I believe about social media, and my my thoughts behind it. And I have to share something. I have to voice my my concern, and I have to speak my truth. And I thought he did a great job in that video. Yeah, it's uh, go check it out. It's on YouTube. Rasheen Mathis called "Lend Me Your Ear." And uh, he uh, he was was very well spoken in it. Uh, uh, I'd say akin to uh, Chris Conley and uh, the JSO steps from last Friday. Um, powerful stuff from Rasheen Mathis. Maybe we get him on uh, in the next few days uh, or weeks. Uh, talking a little bit more about it. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Tuesday. Let's talk some sports here for a moment. And I thought about this today. I was having a conversation 
about NFL and what it might look like in the fall. And uh, even from us covering it, from people going to it, you know, we've talked at length, right, fans. Uh, I, I don't believe we'll be in the locker room to cover this football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that will be across the board in the NFL. Uh, to me, I've said it before on the show, is that a big deal? I don't think so. It's different. I, I don't know if you'll get... Uh, the one-on-ones you hope, the stories, your unique stories, everything might be more in group fashion. I, I think our industry will take offense to that a little bit, but it mm-hmm. might just be the nature of the beast this time around because of the pandemic. Here's the thing. The NFL and teams are going to go out of their way to make sure players don't get the coronavirus, don't get sick, because they need them on Sundays. I mean, and all sports are like that. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is, I was. We know the NBA is coming back, right? First team sport in the United States that's officially announced they're back is is the NBA. Late July. That's a long time away. Well, late July is what? Right at the same time, training camps are open. Late July is like 12 days from when the first preseason game is in the NFL. I got to thinking today, man. The NFL needs Major League Baseball back in early July in a bad way hmm. because it's the NBA once again is too late in the game. For them to really get a good sample of what's going on and ask questions to Adam Silver and team owners. How's it going? And also it's in Orlando. It's in a bubble. It's different. Mm -hmm. NFL is not like that. NFL is going to be at stadiums, at home stadiums, it looks like, at least right now. With or without fans, we're not sure. But that's kind of more like Major League Baseball is planning. Yes, Major League Baseball initially had said Arizona, Florida, places like that. But they're planning on being in their home facilities, with or without fans, most likely without fans. And... I think some of the protocols that go into place, even for a 25- or 40-man roster, whatever it is for Major League Baseball, could be very good knowledge for Roger Goodell, for the owners, and the teams in the NFL moving forward. But they need some evidence. They need to know what are you doing? What kind of tests are you putting in place? Is this working? Is this not working? Uh, How much staff do you have in the organization that's around? Things like that. And if you watch this latest memo that went out around to the NFL, you know the the thing you chuckled at yesterday, the six feet in the locker room? (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. But there are extreme lengths. The more you read in that memo, right? Mm -hmm. Extreme lengths of not allowing a lot of people around around the players meetings outside possibly too meetings outside (laughs) virtual meetings also like two days in advance of disinfecting yeah before games yeah so they everybody has to be out of the building yeah two days in advance if you're having a home game i think is what what it said Mm -hmm. so you can have a deep clean i mean the nfl has gone and that memo went to extreme extreme lengths like to the point where i don't think we'll be even going to games as the media, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that's an important part of this. I'm just giving you an idea of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, or potentially, I, I should say, that could happen. Yeah, uh, That's what we're talking about. So the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I read about it, the more and more today I talked about it a little bit with somebody. I said, wow, man, they need Major League Baseball more than Major, <laughs> Major League Baseball needs itself to play. Yeah, Because they want to get this litmus test, if you will, of... Well, how did it work? Did yeah. this go well or did this not go well? Two things. First of all, if you're not going to be in the press box, and Shad Khan, hit me up, please, and send those fried raviolis to my address, and I'll, t- I'll keep good track of them, okay? Because um, <laughs> those things can't go to waste, and I'm sure Kuz can attest to that as he sits by me in the press box. Yeah, they're but, good. Oh, yeah. Confer- hey, confirmed good fried raviolis. But you're absolutely right here, Brent, okay? Because, yes, the UFC's back. 
Yes, NASCAR is back. Yes, there's motocross. Yes, there's golf. And yes, there's even soccer. But there's nothing to really gauge off of right now of how to go about things because they're all individual sports set aside from soccer. But even soccer is different. Like, the, the, the NFL right now is literally just they, – they don't have any data in front of them, right? So every decision that they make is kind of based off their own expertise – and usually when you make decisions, you go off experience, you go off of knowledge, and the NFL doesn't have that right now. So I, I completely agree with you. And this is where, you know, baseball can step up and be like, well, first of all, baseball in its own outright should step up just because, let's be honest. I mean, Absolutely. The, 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 the team sports coming back, bring them back, let's go. But the NFL needs some data, okay, because you you can sit here and say we can do things this way, do things that way. But you don't know how it's going to pan out, because I'll tell you what's panning out right now. We've seen Alabama, where five or six, seven players have COVID-19. UCF just had three. There you go. So Gators have been clean so far, it yeah. looks like. So you're seeing college teams come down with it, right? And I assume they're taking all the necessary precautions. So if you're the NFL, you need to try to get as much knowledge behind this subject as possible, because obviously when the season starts, you can't afford to have 10, 15 guys on a team come down with COVID-19. It's just it's not going to look good for optics, obviously, but it's not going to look good for the season as well. But this is the length the protocol already went. We didn't talk about this bunch yesterday when the memo came out and it was reported that it came out. But players, coaches, trainers, and team personnel are to be separated into three tiers with access to various parts of team facilities limited to only the most essential employees. This includes having a separate entrance for tiered personnel or a dedicated time when entrance can be used if separate entrances aren't possible. Mm-hmm. So that ranges from building to building. But let's say players, coaches, trainers, and team personnel. So that's nobody on the outside. I mean, that could go from media to also the ability to sell something to a potential client. Sure. Like, they're not coming in the building for that kind of stuff, I would assume, right? And even some members of, of team personnel, like, if you're not in that bubble of tier system, then are you even allowed near the football team? It sounds like no. All players and club employees with access to restricted areas must undergo daily screening and testing prior to entering the facility. Daily. So now let me ask you this question. So daily screening, so that's obviously the console up the nose every single day. I I think so. It does not specifically say what I'm reading here with the temperature, but it says the okay. five-part screening questionnaire includes asking players whether they've experienced vomiting or, or diarrhea in the previous 24 hours. So there's a questionnaire to fill out, okay. and maybe that's it. I assume it's going to be the, the, the temperature then and the really questionnaire. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, dude, getting that thing up your nose every single day is pretty aggressive. I know it. Yeah. I know it. Uh, locker rooms must be reconfigured to the six feet. You know, mm-hmm. and some are <laughs> – by the way, it says they go. they have to try. Yeah. Uh, you know, attempt. Some locker rooms, it benefits. We said the Jags, you could actually, if you had 53 players, mm-hmm. let's just say. Yeah. Uh, could you separate into, what's my quick math here, 13 players in each locker room? You could do that. You could try, yeah. Uh, the veteran guys must get the good locker room. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, I mean, and believe me, yeah, absolutely. Uh, teams that hold virtual meetings yeah. uh, whenever possible, encouraged to move in-person meetings outdoors and have those attending wear masks. How fun would that be? Uh, that'd be great. It's 98 degrees. Oh, that's a good point, though. Yeah, see, outside. See, didn't, didn't think about that because I go back to my childhood in school when the te- when, uh, when, yeah. we, when you had that cool, like, hippie teacher, yeah. like, like, like Sit the English teacher. The tree. Oh, yeah, guys, let's go outside today for the lesson. <laughs> what? Coolest teacher ever, yeah. I guess in Jacksonville, it's a little different than Wisconsin. Workout groups are to be limited to 15 people or fewer players are encouraged to wear masks in the weight room. I guess that could happen. Similarly, trainers are scheduled to appointments with players rather than have an open time for tasks such as taping ankles. You brought that up yesterday. Yep. And new protocols will be in place for eating and cleaning. Uh, 
where a two-week supply of some sanitizing material is required. So anyway, again, that's just the start. We're only in June. Wait until we get to actual camps. There are some people that indicate they don't think there'll be 90-man rosters. Again, these are all just... Yeah, it's all it's all in the airwaves, I hear you. But is that possible? Too many players, right? How about traveling? Yeah. You know, again, I think media is really interesting here because I live in that world. Are mm-hmm. we going to not cover a game? Like, are we not going to a game? I'll be honest with you. I have put my arms around with around the idea that we probably wouldn't be in locker rooms. Mm-hmm. I had not necessarily put my arms around the fact that I wouldn't be at a game because I actually thought they'd be shrunk down crowds this year. Yeah. That's my thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, well, you can almost do what you do at a Super Bowl. You can use an auxiliary press so you can be six to eight feet apart in the press box and you run out of room. Well, then you can go sit in the stands because there's plenty of seats available. Of course. So that's what I'm thinking. Sure. I don't know, man. You read in between the lines of this, and you could get to the point where, no, we're just zooming post-game pressers. Well, Kuz, t- take note here. If we can't go to the press box for my three takeaways after the home games, we're going to the beach bars. And we're, we're, we're getting immediate reaction. Welcome. I love that. Hey, hey, by, right? the way, <laughs> uh, yeah. by the way, they'll, they'll say, welcome back, Austin, <laughs> to the beach bars. <laughs> Absolutely, it's man. It's been a decade. <laughs> where have you we been? Do. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Wayne, your chair's right here waiting. Yeah. No, I love this idea. your name on a chair. Where's Wayne Gabbard? I haven't seen him. Sorry. Every, yeah. He's every, backing up, Brady. <laughs> every video ends with you taking a shot, and okay. that will that shot depends on how the performance was. And I like then, it. You know, if it's a bad performance, it's just straight whiskey or, well, you know. Brent, I mean, best of luck to you and your endeavors, but me and Koo is we're our three takeaway segment. We may, we're we just may be fine. a little late if on not, Mondays. It's going to be an upgrade. Yeah. Hey, before we hit the top, let me just give you, this is out of the Detroit Free Press, okay? Uh, let me just see if this is from somebody in the Detroit Free Press. Yes, it is. Okay, so some of the questions asked here. Mm-hmm. Will the preseason be delayed or shortened to give players who've missed out on structured team workouts this spring a longer acclimation period? What does it do to the start of the season? What happens when a player or coach tests positive? We've all asked that, right? Yep. Um, worse yet, what happens if virus spreads through a locker room leaves a team significantly shorthanded for one or more weeks? What testing protocols will the league put in place on game days? What if player tests positive before kickoff? What if the player who tests positive does so before a road game? How does he get home? What happens to his teammates who traveled with him? What about fields? If there's a small chance the virus survives on indoor turf, how can the league ensure its surfaces are safe to play on? And they admit here in this article, some may seem far-fetched or even alarmist, but are they considering all these things? Yeah. It's pretty wild. Is there like a media standby list for like the replacements in case players go down? Like, can the media step up a little well, bit? Well, guess what? Your option number one. Well, let's go, man. Let's go. Tony Baselli talking to you too, dude. Let's go, yeah, man. You let's might get back in there. Some of those stats, career stats, are going up for Austin Lane. Uh, hey, Ken, get my jacket ready. I'm coming for you. Let's go. The rebirth. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.